everyone. Before we start, if you'd like to see the video version of my episodes, where you can even see what I look like, head on over to my YouTube channel, which is linked in the show notes. Thanks for all the support. Now let's dive in. Please do not wait till the end of the year to start digging for deductions and shopping for refunds. That is a horrible strategy. You're now tuned into Tender Love and Cash, the place where ambitious men and women turn to for business strategies that not only skyrocket their profits, but also position them to serve the masses and make money doing what they love. I'm Amber Anthony, profit booster, efficiency driver, strategy specialist, and lover of all things analytical. And I'm going to help demystify difficult topics and concepts, crunch the numbers, and use real data to craft a strategic approach that supports business owners with a solid framework to operate a well-planned cash-generating machine. I can't promise to tell you what you want to hear, but I'll guarantee you'll get the guidance you need to hear to launch, grow, and build the business of your dreams with confidence. Let's dive in. On today's episode, we are going to talk about the eight financial mistakes that put six and seven figure entrepreneurs at risk. Mistake number one, not understanding partnership breakdowns. All over the internet, you have seen at length conversations about the power of the LLC. Well, the truth is it's the power of the Schedule C. And what do I mean by that? You see, a single member LLC is not a tax designation. It's a business designation. What does that mean? If you're a single member LLC, or if you're just a sole proprietor operating with your social security number versus having formally organized an LLC with an EIN, you still both report your profit and losses on the same form, Schedule C. So what are the benefits of forming an LLC? It's literally just the formality of it being a legal designation, an additional layer of protection. But please note, there are rules around that. And the corporate umbrella, the LLC umbrella, can be pierced for things such as commingling funds. So make sure that if you go to the trouble and the expense of getting an LLC, make sure that you are also following best practices with bookkeeping, keeping funds completely separated, making sure that you're not commingling funds, that you're not commingling assets. Because should you ever find yourself in legal litigation, that layer of protection can be pierced because of untidy record keeping and untidy operations. Another huge pet peeve of mine is there was a big wave encouraging individuals who have LLCs to elect S-Corp designation. Why do I have a problem with this? Well, because there are additional laws governing S-Corps. And many individuals who were encouraging people who had LLCs to elect 
to become an S-Corp. They didn't go into those additional details. Number one, when you elect to become an S-Corp, you must pay yourself a salary and it must be reasonable. Salary equals W-2 employee. The whole reason that an S-Corp exists is to avoid paying self-employment tax. But what I find unique is you as the owner of the S-Corp aren't paying self-employment tax anymore. But guess what? Your S-Corp is paying employer tax while you, the employee, still pays employee tax. So when you do an apples to apples scenario as to what it's going to cost you to have an S-Corp, file a corporate return in addition to a personal return, run payroll, pay employer payroll taxes, pay state unemployment, federal unemployment, and then of course, oftentimes state disability. When you add all those one point this, point this and that percentages up, oftentimes it exceeds what that self-employment tax would have been had you stayed in LLC. And generally the rule of thumb is that an S-Corp will not benefit you until you, your company, has a net profit of $75,000. Okay, that's not exact. That's a rule of thumb. So I encourage you before you jump into electing for S-Corp status, that you look at your current profit and loss statement for last year, or look at your tax return, your Schedule C, and look for the net profit of the business. If that number is under $75,000, you are more than likely still very safe, and it is still very appropriate to remain an LLC. Mistake number two, not understanding the most important internal revenue codes. So I have them all outlined in a free download for your reference, but let's go over the top five. If you have a good handle on these five and master them, you can rest assured that you will be able to operate in peace. Number one is IRC, Internal Revenue Code 61, gross income. One of the biggest reasons for audit is individuals underreporting their gross income. Because remember, just because you're not 1099 doesn't mean that you shouldn't be reporting it. And when and if the IRS should feel that you are underreporting income, they will come and get to the bottom of it. And it starts with pulling your bank statements and adding up all of the deposits. And again, we pray that you have kept your business very, 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 very separated from your personal. But if there is one instance of a transfer or a commingle that is in anything more than an owner draw or a reimbursement, now any deposits into your personal account may become suspect and under review to see if it had anything to do with the business. The next IRC code that needs to be on your radar is IRC 162, trade and business expenses. You must know what expenses are ordinary and necessary to your industry, and they must be substantiated. The third IRC code, IRC 1799, election to expense items that are normally capitalized. Another super important one is IRC 6001, 
books and records. This is your foundation. The way it reads is books or records are required and must be kept available at all times for inspection by authorized internal revenue officers or employees and must be retained so long as the contents thereof may become material in the administration of any internal revenue law. Okay. What are books and records? Well, for profit organizations, we're talking about your balance sheet, your income statement, otherwise known as your profit and loss statement, your statement of cash flows, your statement of owner's equity, general ledgers, and bank statements tied in and reconciled. These are the preliminary items that will be requested should the IRS ever question anything about your business operations. So you must have them on hand. And the fifth IRC, section 469, is real estate professional status and bonus depreciation. This has been a blessing since 2017. And that's probably why you've seen the real estate market boom in the way that it has over the years. The power of bonus depreciation is a legal tax avoidance technique. It is how the rich become wealthy because they are able to use this tool, this legal tool to offset their income. And you should definitely know exactly how it works. So you too can begin to strategize and familiarize yourself with legal tax avoidance techniques. Mistake number three, we have to highlight it because it's so common and so important, co-mingling funds. The way the IRS publication reads, a business expense must be both ordinary and necessary. An ordinary expense is one that is common and accepted in your trade or business. A necessary expense is one that is helpful and appropriate for your trade and business. And of course, all of this has to be extremely well documented. Regarding the commingling of funds, which can happen, there you are getting ready to make a business purchase. You realize that you don't have your business credit card on you. Okay, well, we got to get it. So let's go ahead and use the personal card or vice versa. Okay, rule number one, never use your business credit or debit card for personal expenses. And should you use your personal card for business expenses, please make sure that you follow the reimbursement best practices to the T with supporting documents. Deducting business expenses as personal expenses has a big danger. Back taxes. If you report personal expenses as business expenses, and the IRS deems them as disallowed, you will owe those back taxes along with penalties. It's something that you just don't want to mess with. Mistake number four, not having accurate books, records, and financial statements. So just as we went through the most important internal revenue codes that should be on your radar, one of them, the foundation, keeping accurate books, records, and financial statements. So many people do not want to hire an accounting team, and I get it. You don't see the importance of it in the beginning 
when there are only 20 to 30 transactions a month, which is why I preach from the mountaintops, from the beginning, actually do it yourself. You're doing yourself a huge favor. Why? Because you will have a great handle on the ebbs and flows of your business. In addition to being very hands-on, and while things are not complex, you will start to understand what goes on an income statement, what goes on a balance sheet, the difference between cash and accrual, and how depreciation works. And it's so much easier when you have a handle on it, you're seeing it in real time, and you're learning it again while things are very straightforward and don't have layers of complexity. So the beauty of it is if if you are able to master this in the beginning stages of your business, and I get it, you may not like it, it may be difficult at first, you may not have the time for it, but should you be able to work around all of those excuses? you will become so powerful in the future because you will have your finger on the pulse and you will understand the tempo of your business. So when the day truly comes where you have to hand it off to a financial team, you will already have best practices. You will already have your own expectations because you have mastered it and it will allow you to be able to better read the financial statements that are presented to you, whether it be weekly, monthly, quarterly, et cetera. I do believe that it's important that you review your financials at the very least monthly, but people who are completely obsessed with efficiency and profitability, I think that there should be certain types of KPIs and report cards that you're monitoring daily, and you should have lots of checks and balances in place that will allow you to see changes in the business well before the end of month tieout. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick break to thank all of you for listening to the show so far. If you enjoy what you're listening to, consider giving it a five-star rating, a review, and even share it with someone who would love to hear this kind of content. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the show. Mistake number five is not understanding audit triggers and low impact deductions. Let's go down that list. Here are your top five audit triggers. Number one, underreporting income, which we covered earlier. It's one of the most important IRC codes, and it is the main reason for audit. Number two, crypto digital currency transactions. Number three, the home office deduction. And it's one deduction that everybody takes and that every CPA recommends. And it is such a low hanging fruit. Don't use it. I prepare tax returns. And for fun with my clients, I show them the before and after of what the home office deduction will yield. And in my most recent one for a client who had a gross sales of $150,000 and of course, legitimate business expenses, not using the home office deduction only changed her tax liability by $73. $73 for that low hanging fruit yeah, we can figure something else out or just nothing at all. Another audit trigger, using round numbers and owning a cash-based business or reporting a high volume of cash. Okay, fun fact. On your tax return, 
whether it's a corporate tax return in 1120 and 1120S or a Schedule C, which will be your single member LLC or sole proprietor. You have to select your NAICS code. That is the business code. The IRS, of course, knows which businesses are cash heavy. So if you're operating said business, that puts you in another bracket for scrutiny. Now let's talk about the low impact deductions and red flags. We already covered the big one, home office deduction, highly audited item, low hanging fruit, just make it a best practice. If your CPA is telling you to do the home office deduction, be like, okay, do it. And then before you sign off on it, see what that yielded. Okay. And then say, Hey, would you mind unchecking that box, please remove that home office deduction. And I bet you'll see what I told you earlier. And obviously it's all based on top line, bottom line percentages, adjusted gross income, etc. But I gave you a specific example that was fairly average. And that was a difference of $73, literally not worth it. The other red flag is just medical expenses. And I know that just sounds awful, but unless they exceed 7.5% of your gross income, number one, you can't do it. But number two, if you do do it, if it does exceed 7.5%, and for me personally this year, it did. My deductibles were incredibly high. I had a serious surgery. So it's the first year that that's ever been the case in my whole 45 years of life. But here we are. But please know, when I put these on my tax return, I will have all of the supporting docs itemized to a T should I ever be asked to justify them. Mistake number six, not understanding that tax planning is year round. Okay. So you have tax filing season and then you have tax planning season. Tax planning season is year round. The minute a dollar is earned, tax is due. Okay. And so that's why when you have a business, you are encouraged to do estimates and pay your estimated tax quarterly, a year before it is due, i.e. you are planning your taxes. So throughout the entire year, as you earn money, you have to make smart decisions how you are going to spend that money, specifically on ordinary and necessary expenses related to the business, right? And as you're spending, you have to determine, will this spending lower my tax liability? And we covered a few of those options, expensing ordinary and necessary expenses for the business, and also potentially buying assets where you can leverage bonus depreciation. Please do not wait till the end of the year to start digging for deductions and shopping for refunds. That is a horrible strategy. There is no way that you can properly prepare and protect yourself come December, figuring out all that you can do to lower your net income, thus lowering your tax liability, specifically because of the importance of record keeping, ensuring that throughout the year, every time you made a purchase, making sure that it went through the checks and balances of ordinary necessary and being able to substantiate. Mistake number seven, not understanding the difference between tax avoidance 
and tax evasion. So let's get into these definitions. What is tax avoidance? Tax avoidance is the use of legal methods to reduce taxable income or tax owed. Okay. And all of these legal methods are written down the internal revenue code. And I provided those to you earlier. So what is tax evasion? Well, the difference between the two boils down to two elements. Tax evasion is lying and hiding. Okay. Tax avoidance is structuring your affairs so you see that you pay the least amount of tax due within the letter of the law. Again, which is written down. Okay. Tax evasion is lying on your income and or expenses on any tax form. So those are the differences. And mistake number eight is very financial, but also starts to introduce operations. Not knowing your KPIs, your key performance indicators. You can't manage or plan for what you can't measure. If you maintain accurate and up-to-date accounting books or records, you can use those numbers, those key performance indicators to help you make decisions on improving efficiencies, cutting costs, and increasing profits. And like I said before, there are two types of KPIs to consider, financial and operational. But many of the KPIs can be pulled from your statements. Your income statements, month over month, year over year, tell a story. If your income has raised 30%, but your expenses has raised 60%, why? Was it necessary? And if your chart of accounts is well-defined and broken out, you can drill down quite deeply to see what changed and discover inefficiencies quickly, all by running the reports in your QuickBooks or whatever accounting software you're using. It's recommended that you have SMART KPIs. SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Timely. Keeping track of your business activity month over month will bring more visibility to the business owner. So you can be put in a position to make changes, to course correct, to shift resources. So many businesses wait too long to start to document their financials. And that is why, again, I encourage you to do it from the beginning while it's simple before it even gets started. Yes, just get the QuickBooks subscription. It's $24 a month. Start to teach yourself the chart of accounts. Start to print out your bank statements and reconcile. It will give you the insight in your business that is needed for all of the things that we discussed. You will be able to mitigate these eight mistakes that are a make or break. Remember, 80% of new businesses survive the first 12 months, but only half of them make it to the five-year mark. So if all of these are on your radar, before you incorporate, before you buy your domain, before you get your trademark, before you make your first purchase, before you create your first service or offer or hire your first employee, master and have a detailed understanding of these eight items. I promise you, depending on the size of your business, 
It will 100% save you tens of thousands of dollars, but over the course of time, probably multiple six figures.